0: This morning we're continuing our series called Out of Darkness as we journey with the people in the book of Exodus as they literally leave a place of darkness and oppression and slavery in Egypt and they travel to the light of God's promise. We're doing the same thing. We are leaving the darkness of sin and shame and spiritual slavery and we are traveling to the light of God's promise. We're seeing that all through the book of Exodus. This morning, I want to remind you of a verse that I read last week. And we're going to read again here in a few weeks. It is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. It's verse 3. It's the first of God's ten commandments. And the command is this. You shall have no other gods before me. God is very specific about that. He holds nothing back On That he's very specific have no other gods before me. This is first in order in the Ten Commandments It's also first in priority in the Ten Commandments Everything builds off of this you have no other gods before the creator of the universe the king of eternity No other gods in the verse right before it verse 2 he tells us why he tells us why this is in verse 2 It says the, the God spoke and said, "I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. God claims sole credit for bringing His people out of slavery. God claims all the credit for bringing His people out of darkness toward the light. All the glory goes to God. It's not on Moses, it's not on Aaron, It's not on the the people, it's on God. I am the one that did it. And because I am the one that rescues my people, you shall have no other gods before me. First in order and first in priority. Last week we read in Exodus chapter 7, as Moses went to the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, and he spoke all kinds of words to him. I want to remind you, because it sets up the context of what's about to happen that we're going to read today in chapter 7, verse uh, four, verse 4 he says to the king i will lay my hand on egypt and with mighty acts of judgment i will bring out my divisions my people the israelites with mighty acts of judgment we're going to call those plagues as we read through there's 10 of them that god delivers upon the people of egypt his mighty acts of judgment he will bring out his people and god says in verse 5 and the egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Everything we're going to read today was designed so that the people of Egypt and the people of the world would know beyond a shadow of doubt the supremacy of God, the Creator, the King. We pray for us, and we're going to jump in to plague number one. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for speaking this word to us here. Thank you for rescuing your people out of slavery, out of darkness. Thank you for rescuing us. And all those that have not yet surrendered to you that are still living in darkness, whether we're in the room or we're online or we're not even a part of this time this morning, I pray, Father, that you would soon deliver us out of darkness and into the light also. I pray that we, we your followers, would play the role in helping people to leave darkness and follow you in the light. And I pray, Father, we would never reject your mighty acts, your hand, your will, your guidance. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go in here. We're going to read through all 10 plagues. I'm not going to read all of chapters 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 today. That would be a long church service. We're not going to do quite all that, but I'm going to jump through them quickly because what I want us today to get a big picture of what God is doing so we know his power and his might here. In chapter 7, verse 14, it begins, the Lord says to Moses, plague number one, the Lord says to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh, the king, in the morning as he goes out to the river. That's the Nile River. As he goes out to the Nile, confront him on the bank of the Nile, taking your hand, the staff that was changed into a snake, and then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go. Say to me, worship me in the wilderness. That's going to be repeated over and over through the next few chapters. Let my people go. But until now, God says, you've not listened, king. You've not listened, Pharaoh. So this is what the Lord says. By this, you will know that I am the Lord. Remember, everything that happens is so we will know the Lord. You will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die. The river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. That is what will happen. And you got to have some context for this whole thing. you got to have context as God begins to wage war upon the oppression, the evil of the world. He begins to wage war to exert his dominance over all the things that the broken world hides behind. you got use some context. The, the people of Egypt, they had a, a multitude. They had all kinds of false gods, false idols that they'd created, that they worshipped, that they prayed to, that they talked about. One of those false gods was the Nile River. This, this, God, this God that would provide for them, would care for them. Every year the Nile would flood and send us nutrients into the fields and feed their crops. It would water their people and their animals, their livestock. It provided and sustained their life and they worshiped this river like a God. And God says, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to knock that false idol off the shelf. I'm going to knock him down. you got to understand, the people of Egypt, as they were attacking the people of God, what they did back, a pharaoh, a king ago, they had ordered that all the baby boys of the Israelite people, of God's people, all the baby boys, would be thrown into the Nile River to be drowned and to die. They used the Nile as a weapon to attack the people of God. And God says, number one, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn that back against you. No weapon used against me will work. I'm going to turn it back against you. He attacks the false god. He uses the river against them. Plague number one. But we know that Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he did not relent. He did not yield. He stayed proud and rejected God. And so God says, fine, we'll have a second plague. And so down in chapter 8, it says seven days passed. That's one week later after the Lord has struck the Nile River. A week later now, the Lord says to Moses, go to Pharaoh the king and say to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. It's repeated again. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. Frogs. Anybody like frogs in here? I've got frogs in my yard. My kids play with little frogs in my yard. And I first read this, I'm like, a plague of frogs? Frog. That's kind of a silly thing, God. I mean, I get turning the whole river to blood. That's serious. But frogs? Really? But if you read on here, you realize that that God says there's going to be so many, they're going to come into your palace, your bedroom, your bed, your houses, your ovens, your your places where you're cooking and baking. There's going to be so many frogs, you won't be able to take a step without stepping on a frog. They're going to be everywhere, everywhere. And you need a little context. One of the Egyptian's false gods, one of the false gods named Heket, was their god of fertility, the god they would pray to to multiply, their people the God they would pray to to add children to their nation that God every time that God was depicted in artwork that God was depicted with the head of a frog and God says I I, I took down the the Nile River now now what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to knock off the fertility God I'm going to take care of that one and if you have been praying and thinking it'll multiply your people guess what I'm going to multiply the frogs and they're going to be everywhere They're going to be everywhere, and I'm going to show you that I have all the power, not your false idols. And then as time goes on, Moses prays for the plague to end, and the frogs don't just disappear. They start to die, and there's so many of them that when they die, the people just kind of pile them up in these piles of dead, decaying, stinking frogs all over the place. And the false idol, the false god that they've been worshiping, it's literally beginning to poison their land. It stinks everywhere. It's decaying, and it's dead because the false idols, whether we realize it or not, in the Egyptians' lives, in our lives, because we have some, they're poisoning our lives. They're piled up everywhere. But Pharaoh, the king, does not give in. He does not relent. And so God says, okay, well, let's keep going. Plague number three, over in verse 16, it says, The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, his brother, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. And throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats, gnats. Now, you all love a good gnat, don't you? I mean, it's summertime. You look forward to seeing the gnats come out, don't you? Those little tiny man they're everywhere. Imagine, without warning, because they didn't go and warn Pharaoh this time, Without warning, so many gnats show up. The, it was like a, a fog around them. They, they, they would open their mouth to breathe, and they would inhale gnats. The gnats would get in their eyes. The gnats would their ears. The gnats are in their clothes. The gnats are everywhere. They're everywhere. And God says, you don't think I'm in control? I created the heavens. I created the earth. I created everything. I used the dust to make people. I made you, and I can use the dust to make gnats. They're everywhere. Pharaoh does not give in. So plague number four is about to happen. Plague four down in verse 20. The Lord says to Moses then, get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh as he goes to the river, the Nile again, and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials, on your people, and your houses. The houses of Egyptians will be full of flies. Even the ground will be covered with them. Now, in the in the summertime, the spring and summer, my family used to grill a lot. We'll grill out in my back patio, and, and when I'll go in and out, I'm not always really careful with the door and the screen and all the thing, and flies will fly in as fast as I can walk out in my house, and my wife's not a big fan of that. My kids hate it. And so we have family fly-killing parties. My kids take fly swatters, and we all go to town, these little things, taking care of them. Well, imagine... So many flies that you can't even kill them all. They're everywhere. Everywhere. Every, you can't see through them. But this plague is different because it says in the next verse, on that day, God says, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen. So what's special about the land of Goshen? Well, see, the land of Goshen is a section of Egypt It says where my people live, where the Israelites were stuck. That was their area. The Israelites lived in the land of Goshen, and God says on that day when the flies swarm throughout the nation of Egypt and they cover everything and they fill all the air and you can't see through them, you can't avoid them, on that day, I'll deal differently with my people and I'll protect them. There will be no swarms of flies there so that you will know that I am the Lord. I am in this land. I'll make a distinction between my people and your people. This is the first time Israel is separated and Dealt with separately and differently, and God says, There's me flies all over your land, but not my people. But the king of Egypt does not give in. And so God says, Okay. Plague number five. Chapter nine. The Lord says to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews, says. Let my people go so they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock and your field your horses, your donkeys, your camels, your cattle, your sheep, your goats. They're going to die, There'll be a plague on them. But I'll make a distinction between my people, and none of their animals will die. The Lord set a time and said, tomorrow I'll do this. Tomorrow. A little context again. The the people of Egypt had a false god. Had a false god named Hathor. Hathor was their god of protection. He was the god they would pray to to protect them from plagues on their livestock, from attacks on their families, from sicknesses, from financial ruin. They would pray for all kinds of protection to Hathor. Hathor, when he was depicted in artwork, he had the head of a cow. And God says, I'm going to dominate that false idol. I'm going to humiliate your worship of him. You think he can protect you? I'm going to bring a plague on your livestock. I'm going to prove that I'm more powerful than anything you can create. But the king does not give in. Down in verse number 8 the Lord says to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot from a furnace and have Moses toss it in the air in the presence of Pharaoh. It will become fine dust over the whole land of Egypt and festering boils will break out on people and animals throughout the land. Boils on everyone and everything and all the animals everywhere. And God is systematically dominating every single part of their life, every aspect of what the Egyptians hold dear He's dominating them physically here. He's showing them you're going to have physical boils. You're going to have pain. You're going to be miserable. I'm going to show you that physically, mentally. The Egyptian people were proud. They looked down on other nations. They had a level of wealth other nations did not have, and they looked down upon them. They looked at them condescendingly. They were arrogant. They lifted themselves up higher than anybody else. And God says, I'm going to mentally shame you. With these impurities that you think are are problems for the the, the lesser people, I'm going to put impurities on your skin, these boils. But the other nations, they're all going to be healthy. I'm going to shame you before the other nations of the world. Spiritually, God's saying, there's nothing you can hide behind that will protect you from me. Because I made it all. He systematically exerting his dominance verse 13 the Lord says to Moses get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh and say to him this is what the Lord the God of the Hebrews says let my people go getting used to that yet so they may worship me or this this right here if I were the king of Egypt this would terrify me or this time I will send the full force of my plagues against you. You know what God's saying there. You know what he says. God literally looks at them and says, let my people go so they may worship me because I'm not even trying yet, king. I'm not even working. I haven't broken broken sweat yet. I'm about to unleash the full force of my kingdom, the full force of my creative power, the full force of my plagues against you. You think this has been bad so far? I haven't even tried. Let my people go. Man, if I were the king, shoot, let him go. But he doesn't because he's a proud man. He says, no, we're good. And God goes on to speak to Moses. He says, for by now I could have stretched out my hand and I could have struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off of the earth. Why didn't God just take care of them like that? Why did he mess around with them? Why did he linger on plague after plague ten times? Why? He tells us right here, but I've raised you up for this very purpose. This is the purpose right here. Remember, everything is about God's supremacy. This is the purpose. He says, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. The whole thing is to show the supremacy of God in the entire universe. I could have wiped you out with a snap of my fingers, but I have not done it so that you, your people, and the whole earth will know how great I am. That's what God is saying. You still set yourself against my people. You will not let them go. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Man, we toss around around the word unprecedented a little too freely sometimes here lately. This was unprecedented. A hailstorm that they'd never seen before. Anybody, God says, that is not inside, any animal that is not inside, anything that is outside will be destroyed in this. Pharaoh says, no, we're good. And sure enough, the next day the hail comes and there are people outside and they die. And there's animals outside and they die. There's crops outside and they die. Because Pharaoh's too proud to surrender. And the only place, it says, that did not hail was the land of Goshen, where God protected his people. Pharaoh did not give in. So God says, here's number eight. Chapter 10, the Lord says to Moses, go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart. Go to him, drop down a few verses to Moses and Aaron, go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh. And they said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. Locusts. They will cover the face of the ground so it cannot be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hail. Everything that survived the hail, they're going to eat it, it's going to be gone. Including every tree that is growing in your fields. They'll fill your houses, those are your officials, all the Egyptians, something neither your parents nor your ancestors have ever seen from the day they settled in the land till now. And then Moses turned and he left. It's going to happen, this systematic war upon everything the Egyptians think they have. But the Pharaoh does not give in. Verse 21, plague number nine. The Lord says to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. Have you ever been in somewhere that is so dark you can feel it pressing in on you? Have you ever been somewhere with no cell phone light, with no watch light, with no glimmer of light through a window? So dark you can't see your hand in front of your face. You can feel it pressing in Moses, I'm going to send a darkness that can be felt upon the land. And so Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. Three days. No one could see anyone else or move for three days. Everybody just sat down right where they were at. They couldn't see to get home, they couldn't see to work. They couldn't see to, to cook. They couldn't see. They just sat down for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the place where they lived. So the people that had been oppressing them, that had been creating the darkness that the people of God were living in, they were now experiencing true and complete absolute darkness while the people that were oppressed, God's people, were out of the darkness and they were over here in their land in the light having a three-day weekend. Just relaxing. Just relaxing. While well, the people that of Egypt were terrified. But at the end of it, Pharaoh did not let the people go as God had commanded. And God says, Plague number ten. In chapter eleven and verse four, Moses says, This is what the Lord says About midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who's at her handmill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well there will be loud wailing throughout Egypt worse than there has ever been or ever will be again but among the Israelites not even a dog will bark at any person or animal it's going to be quiet and peaceful then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All the officials will come, bow down before me, and they will say, Go, you and all your people who follow you, and after that, I will leave. And then Moses, hot with anger, turned and left Pharaoh. And plague number 10, sure enough, it happens. that about midnight, God passes through the nation, through the land, and every firstborn from the son of the king down to the animals, Every firstborn died because Egypt had a God that reigned supreme over all the other gods in their nation, and that God was named pride. It was named self. And God says, I am going to end it. You think you can keep even your family safe and and protect, you can't do it. You think you can reject me and take care of yourself, you can't do it. I'm going to pass through the nation and every firstborn will die he gives his people a way out he gives them a rescue Moses goes to the people and says if you will just take a lamb spotless without blemish and you will slaughter that lamb and you will take the blood of that lamb and you paint it across the top of your door frame and down the sides of your doorposts, and then you go into your home and you cook that lamb and you eat it as you eat it that night you eat it with your cloaks on fully dressed with shoes on your feet ready to move when I say go if you will do that then when I pass through the nation and I come to your home and I see the blood of the spotless lamb across the top of the door and I see that lamb blood across there when I see the blood of the lamb I will pass over you and you'll be spared You will be delivered out of the darkness. And when I say go, because you are dressed and you are ready to move, when I say go, then you will jump and you will follow me and I will lead my people out of slavery, out of darkness and into the light of the promise. That is the plan. That is the deliverance from darkness. God says, I give you a plan, a way out. With the ten plagues, God exerts his dominance over the broken world. He exerts his dominance over the nation of Egypt, over the pride of the king. With the ten plagues, God establishes that he reigns supreme in the earth. And with the ten plagues, God goes to war for his people and he delivers them. But it's not the only time God's gone to war for his people. That's not the only time God has gone to war for his people. As we read through these five or so chapters, and we look at this, and I would love for you to spend time and read every word in there. There's so much more detail I just couldn't cover. As we read through these five chapters, and we see the big picture of God's mighty acts of judgment and his deliverance of his people, we have to understand that number one, number one, God's supremacy, God's supremacy has always, always been most important. It's always been the ultimate goal of everything. Every plague was so that the people of Egypt and the king and other nations of the world would know that God is in control. Every mighty act of judgment was so that everybody on the face of the earth would know who really holds the power, who really has the authority, so that every person on the face of the earth would know that there's an enemy that lies and deceives and tricks and sneaks around, but then there's God who judges and who rescues. God's supremacy is the ultimate goal of everything. And then we have to also understand that we have been living in darkness. You have been living in darkness and I've been living in darkness. When we sin, when we choose to do things and reject the authority and the might of God in our life, we sin. When we choose lifestyles that don't honor God, we sin. When we choose Paths to walk that don't honor God, we sin. When we serve ourselves instead of Him, we sin. When we live for the God of self, the God of pride, we sin. When we hide behind anything we create, we sin. And we live in darkness and spiritual slavery and shame. But God's given us a way out. God's rescue plan is was and always will be jesus that is his rescue plan let me read this to you in first peter this is the apostle peter one of the 12 disciples talking the apostle peter he writes to a church that's been living in the darkness of a broken world. They've been struggling to live in a broken land. They've been oppressed by evil. They've been attacked by the liar, by the deceiver, by Satan. And Peter writes these words to encourage and to challenge them. He says, church, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. See, God, he is the judge. He was the judge and he will be the judge. It's who he is. Since we call on a father like that, Peter says, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. You understand, right? You understand that even though you live here in America, you're a foreigner here. If you feel, if you feel like things aren't comfortable here, and you feel like maybe our government doesn't value the church like you think it should, well, it doesn't. Because you're a foreigner here. And you feel out of place sometimes? Good. You should feel out of place. You're not here to be comfortable. You're here for a reason, for a purpose. You're here for a, a mission, for a job. And Peter says, live out your time as foreigners in reverent fear. Peter says, for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed. It's not with things that are false idols, that are false... that rescued you it's not things that you can create that you can earn that you can hoard that you can hang on to none of that rescues you none of that redeems you from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors this world has been just repeating cycles of brokenness multiplying cycles of brokenness for centuries you know that you were not redeemed by anything you can hide behind any more than the egyptians were rescued by their false gods Peter says, but you were rescued, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without defect. You do realize that Exodus 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 is not the only time God went to war for his people. When God looked at the world and he saw you and he knew that he had made you and he saw the darkness you were living in, he so loved the world that he sent his son because he was waging war upon the enemies of his kingdom. He was waging war upon Satan and his forces. He sent Jesus from heaven to earth to be led to the cross like a lamb to the slaughter to live a blameless life, a perfect life, to be the lamb without blemish or without defect, a spotless lamb, to take the place of the lamb that they painted their door frames with blood, to take the place so that he'd hang on the cross and his blood would flow, and that when you surrender to him, His blood covers over your life, and God says there's going to come a day that I'm going to come to gather my people to me, and they're going to come to live in eternity. And if I come, and I come to have a mighty act of judgment, if you have rejected me, then you will live in death for all of eternity. But if I come to you, and I see the blood of the Lamb across the top of your life, then I will spare you, I will pass over you, and you will live in eternity with me. That's what God does. He has and He will dominate fully all sin and all darkness in the world. But He's given you a way out, a path to deliverance through Jesus, the spotless Lamb. That's why every Sunday and right now I invite you If you've been living in darkness and sin and shame, and you've been justifying whatever, and you've been following and worshiping that God of self, whatever it is, I invite you to surrender yourself to the Lamb of God. John the Baptist in the Gospels, when he saw Jesus walking along, he says, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I invite you to surrender to that Lamb of God. I invite you to surrender to Jesus so that you can take that path to deliverance. The way that we surrender here as a part of the church is that we confess that we are sinners. We say, I'm a sinner. I know it publicly, I say that. And then I change the way I think about my sin, about my shame, about the darkness I've been living in. And then I'm lowered into water. And when I'm lowered into water, the blood of Jesus washes away, takes away the sin and the shame. And I come out of the water, coming out of the darkness into the light now, full of the Spirit of God. So that I can walk and talk and live as a part of his kingdom. And then you, once you've done that, I, once I've done that, I walk as a foreigner in this land with one job. One priority. That I will have no other gods before him. And I will tell every single person I come in contact with how they can take God's path to deliverance too you were not put here in America to be comfortable you were put here so that God can make a distinction between you and the people of darkness and you were put here so you could call people out of the darkness and into God's marvelous light that is the invitation and that is your next step Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you that you have called us your own. I thank you that you have made us your people. I thank you that you have waged war on our behalf and you have won the victory that we could win on our own. And Father, you have, as you won victory, you have called us to have no gods before you, to remember that you are supreme and we get to live in obedience to you knowing there will come a time that we will walk out of darkness, triumphant behind you, walking into your light. And Father, that between this day and that day, all we are to do is to call others to follow so they can come along with us. Father, I pray that we would not let anybody, as far as in our control, we would not let anybody live as the Egyptians rejecting you. Staying in the darkness. We would call all to follow. I pray you would guide us. I pray, Father, you would continue to speak through your word and continue to give us opportunity to say your name to people in this broken world. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.